This morning we'd like to look in Second uh, Kings chapter 18. Second Kings 18. There are a lot of voices that are in this world saying a lot of things that are against one another. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and another voice they will not follow. And so it's important for us as Christians to discern the right voice. To discern the voice of God. The voice that's supposed to be leading us, the leading of the Holy Spirit, His voice. But we hear other voices that contradict the voice of God. We hear the voices of the enemy and of the flesh, the voices of other people around us and in our society, our own carnal reasoning. All these different voices are coming at us, contradicting each other. And it's like, if you let it happen, it becomes like a whirlwind of confusion in our minds. And so this morning I wanted to look at this uh, chapter here in concerning Hezekiah, man of faith. But in this whole passage, in his conflict with uh, Sennacherib, we see a whole bunch of voices coming at Hezekiah and saying different things and contrary things. And so... With that in mind, we've read this passage before, but today, with that as a backdrop, with that in mind, we want to read this and take a look at the different things, the different voices, the different things that are spoken to King Hezekiah, and coming from him and from others. Now, we're in 2 Kings 18, and we'll start in verse 1. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was twenty-five years old when he became king, and he reigned twenty-nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Ibai, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places, broke the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden image, <clears throat> broke it pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it and called it Nushtim. And he trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord, he did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. So first we want to look at the man Hezekiah. This is a man committed to holiness. This is a man committed 
to being faithful to God and appreciating God. And so that's the first thing you take note of is that because there's a lot of promises of God, but as we read last week, God said, I will honor those who honor me. If we don't honor God, we don't honor His way, His direction, His guidance, you know, should we sit here and respect with, with we, we think that God is going to give us everything He promises and yet we don't honor His word, we don't honor Him? So the two are connected because everything that happens after with King Hezekiah, this is the backdrop of it, the foundation of it, that this is a man who is faithful to God. And so when a man is faithful to God and he's walking with God, he's more able to hear the voice of God. He's committed to holiness, a holy life. He's committed to seeking God. He held fast to the Lord and did not depart from following Him. If that's not us today, well, today is the day to start. In verse 7, And the Lord was with him, and he prospered wherever he went. That's right. He was honoring the Lord, and the Lord was honoring him. And the Lord was with him. So now it says that he rebelled against the king of Syria and did not serve him. John, could you read from there? You got it. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so from uh, from where from there to where? Verse eight. And I'll, I'll stop you. Eight to nine. Verse eight. He subdued the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory from the watchtowers of the fortified city. Now it came to pass in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventeenth year of Hosea, the son of Elkah, the son of Israel, that Shalmet, Maniaser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. And at the end of three years they took it, and in the sixth year of Hezekiah, that is, the ninth year of Hosea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. And the king of Assyria carried Israel away captive to Assyria. And put them in Halal, and by the by Haber, and the river of Gozan, and the cities of the Medes, because they did not obey the voice of the Lord their God, that and transgressed his covenant, and all that Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded, that they would neither hear nor do them. And in the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah, Sennacherib king of Assyria came up against the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Then King Hezekiah king of Judah sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish, saying, I have done wrong, turn away from me. Uh, whatever you impose on me, I will pay. And the king of Assyria assessed Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house. At that time, Hezekiah stripped the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid, and gave it to the king of Assyria. Then the king of Assyria sent sent the Tartan, the Rabsaris, and the Rabshakan from Lachish with a great army against Jerusalem to king Hezekiah. And they went up and come and came to, Israel, to Jerusalem. When they had come up, they went up and stood by the aqueduct <coughs> in the upper pool, which was on the highway to the fuller's field. 
And when they had called to the king, to king, Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came out to them. Then the Rebshakeh said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, thus, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this in which you trust? You speak of having plans and power of war, for, for war, and that you are, but they are mere words. And whom do you trust that you rebel against us? Now look, you are trusting in a staff which is a broken reed, Egypt, on which I, if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who trust in him. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away, and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Now therefore, I urge you, give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give to you two thousand horses, if you are able to, uh, on your part to put riders on them. How then will you repel one captain of the least of my master's servants, and put your trust in Egypt for, char for chariots and horsemen? Have I now come up without the Lord against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so we see what happens to Samaria, which was part of the land of Israel. At this time, there was actually two kingdoms, the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah. Hezekiah was king over Judah. But Samaria... The northern kingdom was taken and destroyed by Assyria. And they were taken away captive. And it says the reason why. Because they did not honor God. And that's why they were taken away captive. And their, and their nations destroyed. And now he begins to come into the, city, into the nation of Judah. And he begins to take some of the cities of Judah. And then he comes to Jerusalem, the capital of Judah. And so this is where he lays it down and you hear all the voices that begin to come at King Hezekiah. You know, the rest of Israel, which was actually a larger than them, couldn't stand up against Assyria. And then Assyria starts to take some of the cities of Judah. And so he tries to appease them by sending gold all the gold and silver he can find and sends it to the king of Assyria, to Sennacherib. And he still, that doesn't appease the, the king of Assyria. And he sends a great army right to the city of Jerusalem, right outside the wall of Jerusalem. And so now you have it, you know. All this big army is sitting there. It has taken over all these other countries. And now he is sitting on your doorstep. You know, sometimes we're faced with crisis in our life. But not every day, hopefully, but for some of us, every day seems to be a crisis. And, you know, and then all the voices of negativity are coming at you, you know. And one of the voices that's coming at you is, well, God didn't do anything for them, and that person was sick and God didn't heal them. That person was in need, and, and all this nonsense, this, this deceitful nonsense is coming at you. But you can't, the Bible says who, those who compare themselves among themselves and by themselves are not wise. 
We need God's insight to all these things. And sometimes it's just best to not even look to the left or to the right and just deal with our issues before God. And so this is this man is being confronted and a whole na- the whole city is being confronted by the enemy. And so first thing he says is, well, look, you, if you trust in Pharaoh, <laughs> he says, it's like a, a stake that's going to, you lean on, it's going to go into your, your hand, you know. It's going to puncture you. Because, and, you know, that would be one way of not trusting God, but just reaching out for whatever. Reaching out for something out of desperation. To try to reach out to Pharaoh and have him help fight your battles in King of Egypt. Who, by the way, the Lord destroyed Egypt before that, hundreds of years before that. So then he says, uh, if you trust in God, well, didn't Hezekiah take away the high places to the Lord, your God? And so you got to worship in Jerusalem. The reason Hezekiah did that was for two reasons. Number one, there's a lot of idol worship going on in those high places. And number two, those that were worshiping the Lord in those high places were going against the law of Moses. That God would choose a place out of all of Israel that would be the place where people should come to worship. And that would be Jerusalem, the temple in Jerusalem. And so, but you see the twisting and trying to trying to discourage the people of Judah and trying to discourage Hezekiah. So then he says, the next thing he says, God, he says, you think I came here and God didn't tell me to do this? God told me to come up here and destroy this land. Well, now he's saying, well, God is telling me, take this land. So you're trusting in this God that told me because you think I came up here and God didn't tell me that? And of course, this is a contrary voice. The voice of the enemy. So then we continue in verse 29. John, if you could pick up again in verse 29. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you from this hand. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city, shall not, this city shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, Make peace with me by a present, and come out to me. And every one of you eat from his own vine, and every one of you his own fig tree, and every one of you drink water from his own sister, until I come and take, away to a, a land, take you away to a land of your own, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive groves and honey, that you may live and not die. But do not listen to Hezekiah, lest he persuade you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations at all delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamstead, of Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharim, of Hena, of Iva? Indeed, have they delivered Samaria from my hand? Who among all the gods of the lands had delivered their countries from my hand? That the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand. But the people held their peace and answered him not a word. 
For the king commandment was, do not answer him. Okay. <clears throat> now the naysayers, Dave mentioned in his prayer this morning about the naysayers. How come the naysayers? Don't don't let Hezekiah deceive you. Trying to destroy the faith that they had in their king and following the Lord. And trying and and Hezekiah trying to teach them to trust God in their time of crisis. You know, this is the voice of the Spirit of God who teaches us to trust Him in times of crisis. But then there's all the other voices of reason, of carnal reason, that try to undo the, this and try to distract us and derail us from the voice of God. And listen to the voices, what they say. Hezekiah is deceiving you. And don't let him, don't believe him when he tells you God's going to help you. And certainly, those are the kind of voices that we ourselves are confronted with. When we make a stand to trust God, that there are voices which say, oh, God's not going to help you, don't. Don't fool yourself, you know. Uh, you know that that's that's not going to happen. And you feel and you hear these things and you feel them, you know, coming at you, and you you sense them and you perceive them. And sometimes, unfortunately, we listen to them. And if we listen to those voices, we harden our heart. We harden our heart, and it does great damage to our faith in God. And puts our trust in man and other voices and human reasoning and human wisdom instead of putting our trust in God. Don't listen to Hezekiah. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord saying the Lord will surely deliver us. The city shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Saying, how much plainer can you say it? Don't He's saying, don't listen to the voice of God. And yes, our mind, in subtle ways, is being told that. It comes into our mind. Not to listen to the voice of God. And he says, and then there's all this, this offering, this reward if you listen to this voice. If you listen to me, you get this and you get that, you get the other thing. Lies. And then he goes on to say, okay, you're trusting in God. Look at look at all these other nations that I whooped. I took their gods and threw them in the fire. You know? Their gods didn't help them. What do you think your how do you think your god's gonna help you? He's blaspheming the god the real God, the God of Israel. And he didn't really realize, he didn't realize what he was up against when he said those things about the Lord. But again, you see these voices saying, God, God didn't help all these other nations, how is he going to help you? He didn't help them. Their gods didn't help them. What makes you think your God's going to help you? You know? My God has prevailed over their gods. Who among all the gods of the lands 
have delivered their countries from my hand, that the Lord should deliver them from the hand of Jerusalem from my hand. So we go into chapter 19, verse 1, and we see uh, King Hezekiah's reaction. And so it was, when King Hezekiah heard it, that he tore his, clothes, tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the house of the Lord. King Hezekiah, in the time of crisis, he didn't sit there and make a deal with them. He didn't listen to those voices, but instead, he went and fasted, and he went to the, before the Lord, and he prayed and fasted. So sackcloth and ashes were what they did when they went to fast. And it was a time of mourning, a time of serious time when they sought the Lord, in a time of crisis, that's the way they did it. And that's an example for us. In our time of crisis, and every day can be a crisis to us, but even if it isn't, to bring our burdens to the Lord, to cast our burdens on the Lord because He cares about us. Now, King Sennacherib tried to paint a picture of the God of the of the Lord as being a God who didn't care about them and was not going to help or defend them. And yes, the God of Israel didn't defend Samaria. Why? Because they had turned their back on God. They had turned to idol worship, all kinds of immorality, all kinds of things. Their king was corrupt. God let them because they didn't honor God. God let it go. He let he let uh, the king of Syria Assyria take them. So let's continue on here. Verse two. Then he sent Elikam, who was over the household Shebna, described the elders of the priests, and covered them with sackcloth, covered with sackcloth to Isaiah the prophet. Son of Amuz, and they said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, The day is a day of trouble, rebuke, and blasphemy. For the children have come to birth, but there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be the Lord your God will hear all the words of Rabshakeh, whom his master, king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God, and will rebuke the words which the Lord our God has heard. Therefore lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid of their words, which you have heard, with which the kings of servants of king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Surely I will send a spirit among him, upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. The voice of God. Telling him, I'm going to help you. It's okay, I'm going to help you. So, discerning the voices. And when we come before the Lord, the Lord will give us confidence. And encouragement. But that's not the end of the battle. You know, this is an ongoing battle. 
It's not just win, win, the, win the battle and the war is over. This war is for the rest of our lives. So John, if you could pick up in verse 8. Then the Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria warring against Libna. For he heard that he was to depart from Lachish. And the king heard concerning Tirhakam, king of Ethiopia. Look, he has come out to make war with you. So he again sent messengers to Hezekiah, saying, Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, <coughs> saying, Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Look, you have heard what the king of Assyria has done to all the lands by utterly destroying them. And shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered those whom my fathers have destroyed, Gozan and Haran, Repsa, and the people of Eden, who were in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath, and the king of Arpad, and the king of the city of Saffron, Hena, and Iva? Okay. Here come the voices back again. The Lord encouraged him. Now here comes these negative voices again, trying to trying to damage his faith, his trust in God, not only him and all of his people. Trying to... It's an attack and counterattack, attack and counterattack. It's back and forth. These voices coming back and forth. And again, what happened here was that God sent some other nations to attack Assyria's kingdom and other places, so they had to leave. But when they left, they sent a message, hey, don't start rejoicing because we're going to be back. He says, and don't let, and he actually goes as far as saying, don't let your God in whom you trust deceive you. Saying Jerusalem should not be given into the hand of, of, of the king of Assyria. Tries to make the God of Israel out to be a deceiver. And you know, we have these voices that come to us which downright question the integrity of God's Word. And they come at us in waves, day after day, trying to, trying to question the, the integrity of God's Word, whether it's true, whether we can trust it, whether it's for me, on and on and on. Hezekiah doesn't bite the bait. Read John verse 14. And Hezekiah received the letters from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Then Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made the heavens and the earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, Lord, the king of Assyria have laid waste the nations in their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord, O our God, I pray, save us from his hand. And all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord God, you alone. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, 
Because you have prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. This okay. is the word. Stop. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, this is good. Yes. So God, God responds to him. But you notice that he takes the letter of the king of Assyria that blasphemes God and tries to destroy their faith and he takes it into the temple of the Lord and he spreads it out before him and declares how he doesn't, he's not buying any of it, that he trusts in God and that all this garbage that was thrown at him was not true and it did not match up to God's word. And so, that's why he sought the Lord again, and the Lord responds. And so, in verse 32, John, you can pick up in verse 32, chapter 19. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come into the city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with a shield, nor build a siege around against it. But by the way that he came, by that same way shall he return. And he shall not come into this city, says the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it, for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And it came to pass on a certain night, that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when the people arose early in the morning, there were corpses, all dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went away and returned home and remained at Nineveh. Now it came to pass that as he was worshipping in the temple of Nisroch, his god, that his sons, Adremelech and Sharedzer, struck him down with a sword, and they escaped into the land of the Azarat, Ararat. Then... As Shabdon, his son, reigned in his place. Okay. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, that's good. So the end of the story is a great victorious one. But we can come to one very important conclusion. That if Hezekiah had would listen to those voices, this, this would not have had a happy ending. This would not have this would not have been a story of victory. We have to take the message of what's happened here to our own heart about us living in this society of today. That there are many voices that are surrounding us that are totally against the Word of God, totally against the way we live, totally against us following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we hear them all. So I don't hear the thoughts that come into our mind are the, are the voices that I'm talking about. Some of them are our own. Some of them are from the carnal nature. Some of them are from the devil. Some of them are from people around us that are under the influence of the world and the enemy. Our world system, our society, our media. We read the other day that the whole world is under the influence of the evil one. The whole world system is influenced by the enemy. 
So if that's true, the world is full of voices that we hear speaking things and saying things that are against the voice of Jesus. My sheep hear my voice. And so, how do we know which voice is from God? How do we discern that? Jesus said the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. God has influenced and inspired His Holy Word. And through the Holy Spirit, He gives us understanding of what He's saying. And then when we have understanding of what He's saying, we're told to live by it and to follow it. But what about all these other voices? In 2 Corinthians... Chapter 10, verse 3, the Apostle Paul says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Now when he says, though we walk in the flesh, he's not meaning walking in the flesh as walking in sin. And the carnal and the carnal sins and everything. He's saying that that we're in our body. <laughs> we walk even though we're walking in flesh and blood, we do not war according to the flesh. <clears throat> For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or of the flesh, but mighty in God for pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought captive into, cap, into the obedience of Christ. Verse 7, do you look at things according to the outward appearance? To me, this says so much about what we have just been talking about in 2 Kings. The whole thing, how it, the whole drama, how it played out in 2 Kings that we just read. That there are so many voices that stir up evil imagination in our minds. All the bad things that can happen. What if this bad thing happens? What if that bad thing happens? What if I trust God and He doesn't help me? What if, what if, you know, God isn't going to answer my prayers? What if, what if, what if? Imagination. We can imagine every bad thing possible, every negative thing possible, if we let ourselves. In the world, there's a, a, a term called Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law in the world is whatever can go wrong will go wrong. <laughs> it's not certainly not a Christian term. Yeah, but it's good to follow it. It's not good to follow it. It's the exact opposite of God's plan. If we expect evil, then certainly evil will come upon us. Even Job said, That which I greatly feared has come upon me. Why was he greatly fearing? Why do we greatly fear? Because if we believe God, 
We're not going to be living in fear of bad things happening. And if crisis comes, and if bad things begin to happen, the Bible says all, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So all these negative voices, it says to cast them down. When it says casting down imagination, it means to get rid of them, to put them to death. And it says instead of listening to them, bring your mind and the thoughts of your mind captive, prisoner, to obeying the Word of God, to obeying Christ. Say, so, well, that's a tall order. Why do you think he's given us his spirit? Why do you think the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us who are in Christ? God has given us weapons to take control of our mind. That's why Peter says, sober up the loins of your mind. Get control of your mind. When the Bible says one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control, one of the first places we have to go to control ourselves is in our own mind. Because that's the battlefield. That's the headquarters. That's the control center. I remember when we had the war against Iraq in 1990-something that the military went into Iraq and the first thing they did was they sent their, their missiles and their jets in and the first thing they did was they bombed all the lines of their, their headquarters and all their lines of communication. <laughs> they destroyed all those, the ability for them to send messages to one another. In the battle, on, from, from the headquarters to the battlefield. And they bombed the headquarters, all the places where the, those who were in charge were, and they, and they destroyed lines of communication. The first thing they went after. So they couldn't communicate with each other. They couldn't hear those voices anymore. And that's what we have to do. One of the first things we have to do to be a victorious Christians is to cast down all those negative voices that don't agree with the Word of God, that aren't walking by faith. Because the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And if those voices that we hear are not about living by faith, they've got to go. We've got to cast them down. And so that's the truth. And so having a mindset of everything that can go wrong, will go wrong, has no faith in it. That's why we can't live by Murphy's Law. Because it's evil, it's worldly, and it's devilish. We are called to trust in God. We are called to live by faith. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and He gave Himself for me. If you're living in a mind of negativity, you can't stay there. That's a bad place. If you're having negative thoughts overwhelming you and taking you down, you got to get out of there. you got to kick that door down and get out of there because that's a bad place. you got to bring all of your thoughts captive to the Word of God. And if you don't know what the Word of God is saying, today's the day to start finding out what it's saying and saying, God, show me, let your Holy Spirit teach me your Word. And so that I understand it and know and can live by it. How can I live by something I don't understand? That would be confusion. Philippians chapter 4. 
in verse 6. Be anxious about nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of a good report, anything virtuous, anything praiseworthy, think or meditate on these things. This is where our minds should be. This is what our meditations should be. David wrote in Psalms, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be accept acceptable unto thee, O Lord. Let our minds be on the right place. Meditating on the right things. Meditate on these things. Things that are true. The Word of God is true. Let our minds meditate on that. The things that are of a good report. Words of faith. Things of faith. Let our mind be in that place. And stop making excuses for being anywhere else. Because this is where the Lord is. This is where our mind needs to be and stay. Stay in this place. And you see that in the life of Hezekiah. He doesn't waver from that. I mean, he's having everything but the kitchen sink hurled at him. And he just goes before the Lord. And he trusts in God. And he's faithful to God from the beginning of that passage to the end. That whole, through that whole story. That could have taken months or years. We don't, we don't even know how many months that took. Yet he's there with the Lord. Not that it wasn't a struggle for him. Because he had to take the thoughts prisoner, captive, to obeying Christ, to obeying his word. Where are we at today? And that would be the question. Where am I at today with all that this is saying? Am I in the place of peace? Am I in the place of bringing all my thoughts captive to the will of God, to the voice of the Spirit, my sheep hearing my voice and not following the wrong voices? If I'm in a place of despair or discouragement, I'm listening to the wrong voice. If I'm in a place of hopelessness, saying, I can't overcome these temptations, they're too strong for me. We're in a place of deception. Bring our thoughts captive to obeying Christ. The Word of God says, He that has died with Christ has been freed from sin. We are free. The, the, the door is unlocked. Get out, of that, get out of that prison. Get out of that, all those, that the castle of despair. And that dungeon of despair. Get out of that place. Behold, I give you authority over snakes and scorpions and over all the power of evil. God has given us deliverance. Now get up and walk in deliverance is what the Spirit of God is saying. Praise the Lord. Any brothers want to comment on that or anything else you just want to share? I'm done here. Praise the Lord. I just want to, I just want to acknowledge the Lord this morning because... Um, Yesterday was a difficult day.